When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Lats Factor Podcast. What is up, College Across fans? You're watching episode, I'm not sure, number 185, I think, of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast, and I'm your host, Ted Hoost, and uh, today we're going to preview five games from this weekend. I'm going to rip through the Lax Vegas lines and kind of make some off-the-hip picks here that I'm going to run with. I'm going to try to keep track of those. As always, uh, if you're listening now, this is just an audio-only podcast today. You can go to laxfactor.com to support the podcast. You can get gear, uh, apparel there and things like that to support us, or you can just go there and watch our videos and listen to the audio podcast through that portal. Uh, but otherwise, if you're listening here, you already know the deal. So let's get into it here now. The first game I want to talk about here is Duke and Robert Morris. Uh, last year, these two teams played. It ended up being 16-12 Duke. It was a pretty solid game early in the season. As a lot of you guys know, Duke doesn't scrimmage. They pretty much just play a bunch of extra games early in the year. And they play like this weekend. I believe they play Friday and Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, although it looks like that may have been taken off the calendar. I'll have to check here as I get deeper into this. Um, in last year's game, Nakai Montgomery was the leading scorer for Duke, three goals in a dish, and Corson Keeley, who's also back this year for Robert Morris, he put up four and one, uh, and like I said, he's back as well. In the end, this is not the same Bobby Moe from a year ago. Uh, Duke isn't either, but they have six or you know uh, five or six guys back that put up 20-plus points last year. Two guys put up 50-plus each, Brennan O'Neill and Joe Robertson. Montgomery, uh, Caputo, Dyson Williams, the list goes on in terms of who Duke has that's ready to step up and kind of fill the void left by the guys who left. And in the end, not that many of them left. Uh, these teams are not built the same. Few, in, all, in fact, are overall. UVA built the same. Maryland built the same. But that's honestly about it. Now, Duke is strong defensively. They've got Adler back in cage. He had a good season last year. Kenny Brower is back. His 21 ground balls and 11 caused tr turnovers. Amazing on-ball defender. Uh, so I expect for him to step up and progress now as a team leader. Tyler Carpenter, 72 ground balls and 23 caused turnovers. He's back as well. A, a ground ball hawk. Dude is all over the field and appears all over in the box score. I didn't think that he was the best on-ball defender last year, but he did take the ball away a lot. So... I expect him, though, to do big things after having kind of a breakout season last year. Now, I think the player to watch in this Duke game is going to be Sean Lully. He's a pen transfer. The kid can ball out 30 points in five games in 2020, the COVID-shortened season, and he's a 50-50 guy, 14 goals, 16 helpers. He's not a replacement for Sowers by any means, but could fit like a glove in this system with guys like O'Neal drawing eyeballs, with mids up top that can step down into shots. So he he's going to fit well in this Duke scheme here. So overall with this one, I mean, I, I think Duke's going to win, and I think Duke's going to win and cover. 
I think that the, this last year's 16-12 game, I don't think we're going to see that again. This could go off the rails like the first high point meeting, in fact, because I do not think that Robert Morris is as good as they were last year, especially not offensively. They've got a lot to prove. Uh, defensively, I think they're okay. You know, they, they play they play solid fundamental lacrosse, so that's why you can never count these guys out, and they play a lot of big games, uh, similar to like a high point in a Richmond. They're used to playing in these big games now. They've been put on these big stages early in the season every year. So whenever that happens and guys aren't starstruck or awestruck, whatever you want to call it, uh, by stepping on the field against a team like Duke, you know, they can always make things happen. But I do think that Duke's going to cover. And we'll get into the spreads and my picks against the the lines and things like that by the end here. So if you want to see what I pick via Lax Vegas lines, uh, stay tuned until the end and I'll rip through those then. And then I'll probably post them on social media as well. The other game that I want to talk about is High Point and Maryland. Now, it's supposed to be the Logan Wisnowski show now that he's donning the number one, which lately has been the most important number in college lacrosse. I'm a Cuse fan, as you all know, and 22 is the most important number to me in terms of lacrosse numbers, but Cuse hasn't had a 22 in a while. They haven't had a 22 be an All-American in a while. Uh, you know, they've been, they, have, they have been playing – during the regular season, more often than not lately over the last, say, five to eight years, like a top-tier team, but once they hit the playoffs, they've been playing like a mid-major. So they have a lot to prove, and you know, the, for the, we need to see um, the number 22 become prominent again, and hopefully we will next year. We'll get into that here later in the season when we're, when there's slow, when we're slow on news. But um, his 72 points last season was solid, and the question is, will his production go up? Now that he's the, the the number one, or will it stagnate without Bernhardt? I don't think there's a chance it goes down, but it's not guaranteed that he ups his point total from 72 to 80 just because he gets more touches. It could, though, because he's also a very good feeder. He hasn't been asked to do, to do much feeding. He's been primarily playing off-ball opposite Bernhardt and, and the, the mids that drive. That, that offensive system is perfect for a guy like Wisnowskis because everybody else is kind of moving. There's no real set position. Guys dodge from all over the the field. You got Middies dodging from X, Bernhardt dodging from top corners, and Wisnowskis is able to kind of just camp on that left side, up and down that left side, and then he can dodge, you know, with the rock as well. But, you know, there's just no guarantee that he gets to 80, but there's also the chance that this this really opens him up as a feeder because as, as he's getting the ball from someone who drives and then other guys are cutting as part of that kind of motion offense that Maryland runs – you know, be ready for him to maybe really up his assist totals. But we'll see. We'll see how that works out. Also back, though, my one of my favorite mids in the country, Bubba Fairman. Daniel Maltz is back. Anthony DeMeo is back. These guys have talent for days on offense, very similar to Duke. And then you got to transfer Jonathan Donville. He's going to factor. He came over from Cornell, which I was sad to see because I'm a, I'm a Cornell fan when I'm not a Q's fan, which I'm always a Q's fan. But what, how should I word that? I'm a Cornell fan when Cuse isn't playing Cornell, let's say it that way. I think the player to watch offensively for the Terps that I'm the most interested to see how he fits in is Keegan Khan. Nova transfer, the kid can score, uh, and I think he'll do a great job taking some of those Bernhardt reps and being very productive with them. So he had a great career, 100-plus points at Villanova, had a great season last season. So watch him closely because he could actually end up being a real big X factor for Maryland this year. Now defensively for Maryland, they're in great shape. You know, Matt Ray Hill's back. Roman Pugliese's back. He'll run roughshod all over HPU between the boxes. Uh, 
Uh, John Geppert's back at LSM. Logan McNaney's back in cage. It is a complete team that Maryland's uh, taking the field with. And I think they may have to figure a few things out offensively, but it's not going to take them long. Originally, I was like, ah, it might take them three games into the Cuse game to start to figure things out, but I think they're going to have it figured out by the end of game one, and they probably won't look back. Maybe it'll take them into the second game, but I highly doubt it. Now, on the high point side, everybody knows what Asher Nolting can do. 27 goals and 45 assists last season, 72 points. But his 59 turnovers was a huge improvement over that 2019 breakout season that saw him turn the ball over 72 times. Now, granted, he put up, I think, 90 points that year. But still, 59 was an improvement, especially considering what they asked him to do last year. He carried the ball a ton last year, uh, so he's a, a high-risk high reward kind of guy and they ask him to do a lot more than most big stars are asked to do on their teams so I'm not mad at 59 turnovers and if he can keep that below 55 this year and put up 80 plus points giddy up for the kid he might end up being a Twarton finalist he'll be a Twarton candidate all year though I am a huge Asher Nolting fan and then on, on the offensive side, also back Hunter Vines, a great between-the-box midfielder that can also score for them. And he's like a super senior, so he, that's a, a bunch of team leadership that he brings to the table. Uh, Braden Maia, he should also have a good year. Uh, but as with the Duke and the Bobby Moe comparison, these these teams are not built the same. Maryland won their 2020 matchup 23-12. to And while I believe High Point's capable of hanging with Maryland, they probably won't. I think five to eight goals in a loss would be pretty good. I think if they only lost by five, I think High Point should leave that game with their heads up. Uh, eight goals isn't even bad, but it could go off the rails as well because I think this Maryland team, kind of a new look and uh, – they don't need inspiration, but losing a Tawarton winner and having a bunch of new guys that are ready to kind of fill that power void, that vacuum of power, I think you could see Maryland put on a you know put on a show here this season. So that's a big one. But uh, like I said, once again, I'll pick the spread and everything like that once I see it because I'm going to kind of do that on the fly. Um, what else we got here? Uh, let me make sure I'm talking about the right games. Okay, now this is one I wanted to talk about. Uh, Virginia and Air Force. Now, Last year, let's see what this game looked like. Last year, Virginia put it on Air Force 20-4 to at home. And uh, this year, I don't think it's going to be much different. If we kind of compare what happened, who scored, and all that crap. I mean, I've already kind of previewed Virginia, so I'm not going to go too deep into them. But last year in this game, Connor, Connor Schellenberger 1-4, Matt Moore 0-4, Peyton Cormier 0-3. Um, uh, let's see, I think Petey fucking LaSala. Uh, scored two goals off the faceoff dot in this game as well. PD LaSala, in terms of winning his faceoffs, went 12 of 16 in this game, which was pretty uh, pretty big deal here. So yeah, I think I think that I don't know 20 to four is going to be what happens here, but I do not see Air Force hanging with Virginia. Virginia has pretty much everybody back. You know, very few question marks because they have talent and and they're bringing back the core scores from last year's team. So I think in the end, Virginia is going to run rough shot all over Air Force. I think they're going to cover the spread and everything. I'd say probably for Air Force to stay within 10 goals would just about be a win for them. So that's that's kind of a big deal. Uh, and like I said, Virginia, they're going to take this one uh, to the house, I think, overall. And then what were the other games? We already talked about Duke. We already talked about Maryland. All right, another one I want to talk about because I think it's kind of important here because everybody's wondering how is Hopkins going to end up faring this season? So if we go back and we look, I believe they did play last year. 
Uh, oh, no, they didn't. That's right. They did not play last year because of the uh, Big Ten lockout where they didn't play anybody else. So, yeah, I think we'll have to go back quite a ways here to find the last time these two teams played, which, yeah, it's not even – I don't even know when they played last. Now, question marks here uh, for Hopkins kind of all – you know, really kind of all over the place, but they do have – uh, Connor DeSimone back. He put up 45 points a season ago. They also have Joey Epstein back 35 points a, a year ago. Now, they're going to end up being the best players on the field. The kicker being Jacksonville has brought in a couple of transfers. Jacksonville has some guys returning. Jacksonville, you know, they're, they're, they've are they kind of tried to build a schedule similar to what teams like uh, Richmond and High Point and Robert Morris have done, where they're trying to play up as much as possible in their non-conference schedules. So in this game, I do like Hopkins. I do think that Hopkins is probably going to win this game, especially if we like, – I think where I've been talking about key, key players in each of these games, there is no key player for the Virginia Air Force game. Everybody's going to score for Virginia. But I think one of the key players in this game, and it's silly to say it, but it's the truth, is Joey Epstein. Which Joey Epstein are we going to see? Are we going to see the Joey Epstein that put up a boatload of points his freshman year? Let's go in here. Uh, as a freshman, Joey Epstein put up 73 points with for Hopkins. Now, granted, he was playing with Cole Williams and Kyle Marr and Alex Kincannon, so he had a lot of talent around him, but he was their leading scorer by a large margin. 73 points for Epstein as a freshman. 46 points was the, the nearest uh, scorer, Cole Williams, to him. So last year, Joey, uh, Joey Epstein put up... 35 points. He was 22 and 13. Now it's a different team, a different offense, a different coach, everything, different system. And he has been coming off of injuries, but I expected for, for Joey Epstein, his sophomore, junior and senior year to be a legitimate Tawartan candidate and possibly a finalist for the, you know, even a sophomore year. I thought after the freshman year he had, how could this kid not be a finalist in his sophomore year? And the injury bug has gotten to him. So if we see a healthy Joey Epstein that starts to play once again like he did as a freshman, forget about it. Like Hopkins will go from being the 19th ranked team in the country to being one of, you know, probably top 15, top 10. Like the the sky is the limit for Hopkins if Epstein can get back to his former self, but that is yet to be seen here. Now Connor DeSimone switching from midfield, heading down to attack, that ended up being huge for them. So, I mean, I, I, there's going to be good things. You're going to see DeSimone and Epstein be a very – uh, very formidable one-two punch for sure. But, you know, as we say with everything, defense is, has been a question mark at Hopkins for the last five seasons. So a lot a lot still needs to be answered here uh, for Hopkins. But and, and then on the Jacksonville side, let's see who they have returning. Uh, we're going to go back out here. I'm kind of doing some of this here on the fly. So, you know, forgive me. It's a impromptu morning podcast here. Um, just hitting my back button left and right. All right, so let's see what Jacksonville has returning, and then we will get a little bit deeper into this. In terms of uh, scores and all that, Jack Dolan, 49 points last year. Evan Tyler is gone. I don't even know who Jacksonville has returning. Like I said, I didn't dive too deep into these later games, so we're going to look it up. Jacksonville lacrosse roster 2022. This is this is how low-key we are here, is I'm literally Googling things and clicking in your ear. As I rip through, um, I'm not even going to do that to you. I just think that what I know is that a lot of people are saying Jacksonville between their transfers and what they have coming back, that they're, they're looking like they may keep pace with what they did last season. 
And last season, you know, it wasn't bad, 7-7, seven and seven, but I think that you're going to see a little bit of an improvement. Galloway's done a good job down there of building a team, uh, and, and it's just a beautiful campus in sunny Florida. So that doesn't hurt them at all, but uh, I, I do like Hopkins. But I think that Jacksonville's going to hang in this, and I'm when I do my picks, I am going to pick Jacksonville to cover in this game, depending on what the spread is. I think the spread for this one was a little higher than I thought it was going to be. Um, all right, we got another one here. Have we talked about? We haven't talked about Utah and Denver yet. That is, I think, the last game that I want to talk about. Last year, Denver won this game, I think, 9-8. They won by just a goal. I know that. So while I'd like to say Denver has this one, and they probably do, Denver probably has this one, Utah scraps, and they do return some talent. The Utes, top three leading scorers last year, a season ago, all freshmen. Tyler Bradbury, the top guy, he put up 39 points. Behind him, Jordan Hyde and MJ McMahon, they're also back. Denver lost their top two scorers in Jackson Morrill and his 70 points. They're gone. Ethan fucking Walker and his 60 points gone. But uh, back they get Alex Simmons and Jungle Jack Hanna, and they both should be ready to jack shit up a mile high uh, above sea level there. I think they both put up 50 plus points, actually. I think Hanna was at like 48, and I think uh, Simmons was like in the area of 52. So they're just, they'll, they'll fit, like, well, like we say, if you leave a power vacuum, someone's always going to step in to fill it when you have talent like these guys do, and they're going to be fine. Denver, another key for them is also Alex uh, Stathakis at the faceoff dot. And that's saying something, considering he had a, an incredible 2022 season. He went 63.5. He won 63.5 percent of his draws in 2021. TD Erland did come in late and ended up winning 72.9 percent of his draws. But credit to Stathakis. TD Erland wasn't there when they were playing Duke in North Carolina and all of those teams. It was Stathakis that was anchoring the X then. So he played through the tougher part of Denver's schedule. And, I mean, listen, nothing against TD. TD is the GOAT for sure in terms of uh, face-off wins. But, you know, Stathakis can hold his own. He's more than capable for Denver. So that's going to be a big key in this game. And then defensively, Denver is better off than Utah is. Jack Dibonetto. I can never pronounce his name. Dibon... Dib and Dedo, Dib and Dedo, that's what I'm going to call him. And then his 12 turnovers, they're back. Uh, uh, we got Hanglin back. He's a solid returner. Malik Sparrow, Rangy, he can cover ground. He's back, and he's continued to get better. He struggled, I think, a little bit early on uh, off ball. But, you know, he's athletic as all hell. He's got a big frame. So I think that he's going to be able to cover some serious ground for Denver. So I think defensively they're, they're, they're returning a solid core of guys. And then Jack Thompson, he wins the goalie battle. Denver struggled. They've been splitting time with goalies trying to figure out who's our goalie over the last couple of seasons. But Jack Thompson, he was the guy last year. I presume he'll be the guy this year. And he actually saved 56% of his shots last year. So that's that magic number. Stay above 55%. You've probably got a job if you're in cage for a solid team. Player to watch in this game, though, Richie Connell. An absolute steal for the Pios. Transferred in from Richmond. Incredible ball, off-ball player. Great finisher. He's got a big body. So I expect for him to kind of step step in for Denver and kind of fill that off-ball role that Ethan fucking Walker filled last year. He could put up 40 to 50 points this season. I think 40 is a solid number for him. I think that'd be a good point for the over-under. would maybe be like 42, 43 or so. So watch uh, Connell, though. I was a big fan of Connell when he was at Richmond. A huge loss for Richmond to have him leave for Denver. And then defensively for Utah, unknown. You know, they played three goalies last season for a considerable amount of time uh, and all hovering around just 50%. So Utah has got a lot of question marks on the, on the defensive side. Uh, once again, I do not expect a repeat of last year. I do not think you're going to see a 9-8 game in this one. I think that you're going, oh, shit. 
Am I recording? Okay. Holy cow, guys. I look over at my, my recording software and I'm like, oh shit, I'm not recording this. But I am. And I'm going to leave that in there so anyone who got this far into the podcast is going to be able to hear that at one point I got scared and I thought that I just rambled on incessantly for 19 minutes for no reason. But uh, but that is not the case. So back to it. I don't think you're going to see a 9-8 game here. Uh, I think last year one of the things I had said after this game took place was the freshmen at Utah were just dumb enough to think they could hang and it caused them to be able to hang. So I don't think that we'll see a repeat. I think that you're going to see Denver come out, power vacuum, guys hungry to fill uh, fill spots and prove themselves. I think that's going to win out for Denver, and I think you'll end up seeing Denver probably cover the spread in this one, once again, depending on what the spread is. So let's get into that here. Let's go. I got to bring it up here. Twitter. Oh, we're just going to search Lex, Vegas, Lines, Twitter, and we're looking at it here. So I'm going to have to go back and remember this so I can whip the graphic up for this bad boy. But as we're going through here, I actually got it wrong for Mercer Bellerman. Uh, I, th- I thought that was going to, to, to be a close game, and I thought that Bellerman would cover. So I already got that one wrong. I didn't announce that or anything, I don't think. But I did say it was going to be a one-goal game in favor of Mercer. Now, Duke Robert Morris, I'm taking Duke as a five-and-a-half-point uh, five uh, five favorite. I, I like Duke to beat that spread for sure. Virginia Air Force, same thing. I mean, they've got it. Uh, Virginia as a seven-point favorite in this one. I'm taking Virginia and that seven points. Delaware and New Jersey Tech, that's a tough one. They got it at six-and-a-half, but I'm going to take Delaware uh, to cover that as well. I mean, you're kind of seeing a trend developing here. Ohio State, Detroit Mercy, Ohio State a five-point favorite. I'm taking Ohio State. And they're five, Hopkins and Jacksonville. I am going to take Jacksonville. Hopkins is the five-point favorite. I'm taking Jacksonville on this bad boy. Navy and Mount St. Mary's, five-and-a-half-point favorite is Navy. I'm taking Navy. Bucknell, Mercer. I'm going to take Mercer. Mercer is a three-point underdog. I'm going to take them in this one. Hofstra and Merrimack. I'm taking, ooh, Hofstra is not the team they were a year ago. Who do I take on that one? Because I haven't even researched some of these teams yet, uh, and I know very little about them, so I'm kind of shooting off hip here. But I'm going to go with Hofstra on that bad boy. Providence, Holy Cross. uh, Providence is a 2.5, or I keep saying 2.5. I'm I'm a web developer, so I think of everything in terms of points, and that's how I look at it. Uh, Two and a half point favorite. I'm going Holy Cross to cover on that. Penn State, Lafayette. I don't. Penn State was a terrible offensive team last year, and they have a lot of question marks on the offensive side of the ball. Lafayette, not a very good lacrosse team uh, last year. They probably won't be again this year. So I'm going to take Penn State, six-point favorite in this one. Rutgers and Long Island University. Now, this one will be interesting, and I almost featured this game here. Uh, Rutgers, a six-point favorite, and Long Island University. They're, they're not great defensively, but they are a really, really – a very good offensive team overall. Uh, Richie LaCalandra, one of my favorite players from last season, put up a bunch of points for them. But the kicker being Rutgers' strength is defense. So this is a tough one to call, not only because of that, because you know the Rutgers' strength is Long Island University, LIU's um, uh, Rutgers' strength defensively could help neutralize LIU's strength offensively. But what I do like uh, about Rutgers overall, and, and what makes it even tougher, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling here as my brain's racing, is that we don't know what they, you know, what the Big Ten really ended up doing against uh, non-conference teams across the board. We got to see them play non-conference teams in the playoffs, and they did well. But 
you know, I don't know. And, and Rutgers losing a hundred, what was it? 160 plus points at the attack and they have to replace 160 points. So in this one, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say that Long Island, uh, LIU is going to cover. So I'm going to take Long LIU and I'm going to say Rutgers is going to end up beating them by like five goals or something like that. But I could end up eating shit badly on that one. Denver, Utah, Denver's a five and a half point favorite. Ugh. I'm going to go with Denver. Like I said, I, I think that last year's game was an, an anomaly. The freshmen were just dumb enough to believe, and it worked out for them. I don't think we're going to see a repeat of that. I think we're going to see a really, really hyped-up Denver team, kind of a new-look Denver team here a little bit. So I'm going with Denver as a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Maryland, high point. I'm taking high uh, Maryland. Four, Maryland's a four-and-a-half-point uh, favorite. I think that's probably too high. I don't know. I don't know if that's too low. But uh, I'm going to go with Maryland to cover that. I think they will. I think Maryland's going to come out playing like an- playing like animals as well. Once again, no Bernhardt. Lots of guys are going to be hungry to to try to fill that void. Uh, among them was Nowskis, but you're going to have a bunch of guys that are like, hey, we're going to get more looks now, and I think they'll make the most of them. So I'm going to take Maryland as the four-and-a-half-point favorite. Duke-Vermont. That is the Sunday game. I'm not going to get into the – yeah, we'll, we'll pick that one. Uh, Duke's a four-point favorite over Vermont. Absolutely, Duke's going to cover that four points uh, versus Vermont. So I'm taking Duke as the four-and-a-half – or four-point favorite is what it is. And then Michigan-Bellarmine, I'm going to take Mich- – I'm going to take Bellarmine as the six-point underdog on this one. So I'm going to put this up on social media so that I can keep track. I, I always get myself in over my head because there's things I want to do every week. And I don't always do them, but this one should be easy enough weekly for me to just ramble through this, and and even if I do it off hip. But that was totally unprepared, so if I don't get these right, half of these games, I haven't even looked into these teams, into their rosters, who they have coming back. I'm just basing my decisions on kind of historical performances and crap like that. So that is it. That is the show for today. I hope you enjoyed it, and that's going to kind of be the format here. I'll do a video show on Sunday. In the video show, we're going to cover specifically the five games that I preview in this show, and then uh, this show we're going to try to cover as many games as we can. We'll make picks and talk about teams, and we'll talk about the week before a little bit more. This one will probably be the shortest of the Thursday shows. I'm going to try to keep these up above 30 minutes each week when we do the Thursday shows, so... Uh, That's it. I'm going to stop rambling. Thank you for listening. Uh, As always, you can go to laxfactor.com, support us there. You can get some swag and things like that there. And uh, that is it. I will be back Sunday. Hit YouTube up on Sunday or Spotify up on Sunday. We put the video show up with highlights and everything on the Sunday show. So the Sunday show is available on uh, – the video show for Sunday is available on uh, YouTube is the primary place. Spotify, we have the video show up now. Uh, Instagram, Facebook is where the video show can be found. So you can watch the full show there, and it is going to be dope. So thank you. That's it. Hoost is out. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Lax Factor Podcast.